everyone. Welcome back to day two of the kickoff for the brand new ecosystem podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today for our IMS pregame blitz. As you may know, next week in Denver, there's going to be the International Microwave Symposium, which I will be attending. And this week we are featuring um, great subject matter experts that will either be featured there or their company will be featured there and that they have something to offer to teach you as you look forward to next week's event. Before we get started, I want to say thank you to our media sponsor, Signal Integrity Journal. I put a link to the show notes for a free subscription for you. It's a wonderful magazine and source for online resources, education, webinars, and so much more. All their content is peer-reviewed, and they focus on SI, PI, EMI, and EMC. So make sure you go to the show notes and get your free subscription today. Today's guest is none other than my dear friend, John Coonrod, who is the technical marketing manager and materials expert extraordinaire. We're going to talk about three micro app sessions that he's doing and particularly talking about a new 3D printable dielectric that Rogers have come out called Radex. So let's jump into our conversation with John. Enjoy. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Ecosystem Podcast. We're always Glad to see you and glad to learn all the exciting things that are happening at Rogers and all the interesting things you have to teach us. So thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to be with you, my friend. Can you, um, for the three people in the world that maybe not don't know you or Hmm. haven't seen your 9,000 webinars and whatnot, can you give us a brief overview of your title, what you do at Rogers and sort of your background in Hmm. in the industry? Well, sure. Um, so my title is uh, technical marketing manager, and the title's uh, a little deceptive for what I do. And really, what I do, and the group that uh, works with me, is uh, we are a technical resource for the marketing department. And our marketing department is uh, very much uh, tailored and geared to be close to the customer. So the a lot of things that we do are more customer technical support for the marketing department. But we also do some marketing uh, in the sense of writing articles for trade magazines and also we'll uh, write some blogs and present at trade shows and things like that. So um, I, along with that, uh, I also do a lot of uh, RF evaluations internally. So I look at our materials and materials in development. And if I can get my hands on competitive materials, I take a look at them. So I do a lot of different RF studies. I'm also on the IPC committee that defines test methods and I'm the chair Mm. of that committee. So we look at different test methods and we've been trying to find a good test method for testing materials at millimeter wave frequencies, but uh, it's not that easy, unfortunately, but (laughs) it keeps me busy. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, um, I know because I got that one awesome tour of your lab and I know you have technical chops and it does seem, you know, you throw that marketing word in there. It is kind of deceptive. Um, but, uh, anyone that really knows you knows your technical chops. So, um, (laughs) thanks for joining us for this kind of IMS pre pre pregame blitz we're doing this week. And, um, when I reached out to you, I found out you're doing three really brief talks um, in the micro apps theater on the floor of the international microwave symposium next week in Denver. Right. And you briefly talked to me about a brand new material um, that Rogers come out with. That's very exciting. It's a 3d 
printable dielectric. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about Radex and, sure. and, and what it does and so forth? Right, right. Yeah, the Radex is the newest product that we've uh, uh, introduced to the market, and it is 3D printable, as you said, but uh, there's been a lot of 3D printable materials on the market for years and years, but uh, most, actually all of them that I know of, do not play very well at higher frequencies. So they don't have dielectric constant that's well controlled. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have dissipation factor that's well controlled. Moisture absorption is usually high. CTE, it goes on and on and on. So a lot of the things that you're really concerned about uh, for millimeter wave and microwave type applications, the normal material that you'd use to try to 3D print a RF concept is not gonna work very well. So the Radex is something that we developed um, to be 3D printable and does have good RF control. So RF properties, so we control the dielectric constant very tightly. It's at 2.8. Uh, we also wow. control the dissipation factor at 0 0.0043. And what's interesting about the dissipation factor is it seems like uh, the material has uh, very low dispersion in the sense that as you change frequency, the properties do not change much. So the dielectric constant mm. does change a little like all materials do as you right. go up in frequency and dissipation mm -hmm. factor also changes a little as all materials do as you go up in frequency. But in this case, from 10 gigahertz to 24 gigahertz, we see a difference of 0 0.0043 to 0 0.0046. Wow. So that's so really it's good. it's very stable. Yep, extremely stable. So it's really good for RF performance and the moisture absorption is very low, which means it's going to be more consistent in whatever environment that, you, that, that it's playing in. So what is the medium? Like, what is it made of? Yes, <laughs> it is a photoplomber. Or can you tell? Uh, actually, I, I don't know if I could tell if I knew. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> but uh, I know the basics of it. It is ceramic filled. It's a uh, photopolymer and it's um, curable by UV and things like that. And the type of 3D printer that would be used to print structures with this has to be very specific. And it would be a... Um, a, a um, a 3D printing process, like a, it's a DLP, digital light processing, that's one process. And another one is uh, SLA. SLA stands for stereolithography. So those two hmm. type of 3D printing processes can process the material. And we're working very closely with a uh, company that does uh, 3D printing in high volume and very high resolution. And the company is called Fortify, and they're out of Boston, Massachusetts. So, so it's, let me get this straight. Yeah. So it's a liquid, mm -hmm. it's a oh, liquid, yeah. ceramic loaded right. polymer. Right. Now, does it sort of cure mm -hmm. yeah, as you have it's to go. being built up? No, actually, as it's being built up, it's kind of uh, like a green cure. It's not fully cured in crosslink, so you do have to expose it to UV. But okay. uh, all that's done at Fortify. So it's one of those things that you uh, would draw up what you'd like in some kind of 3D CAD package, send it off to Fortify and tell them to use the Rogers Radex material and they will make the 3D structure and cure it and everything and you'll get um, you know, your little RF structure to play with. Interesting. Yeah, now, I, is the material conductive uh, or no. like, no, it's no, not. It's so dielectric. how does that work? So right, it's right. just the dielectric, okay. Yep, just a dielectric material. And there's also another company I've been working with, uh, Evertech, and they are using um, a process that's uh, friendly to this 3D printable. It's actually uh, able to print 3D uh, conductor geometry, which is really cool. So 
Can you no. explain that a little bit more? No. No, you can't. No. Okay. See, Actually, I can't a little. No fun. <laughs> I can't a little. Um, so as I understand the process, what they're doing is a process that is uh, applying a like a film, not a film, a catalyst to the substrate, in this case would okay. be our, our radex. And then they will uh, use layers or imaging to image what they want, or basically it, uh, I think it polymerizes whatever's there. And then as you plate that up with uh, copper plating, what's been affected by laser plates up and things that doesn't, doesn't plate up. And I think you probably got a little bit of background as I'm talking on this well, subject. And I, I was you like, may know are we talking, more about this than I do. <laughs> I'm like, are we talking about uh, a Veritech and Teradun? Because I've been seeing... Right. I've been seeing 3D structures that Veritech has been posting on LinkedIn and that's it. Yep. on your material. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. And I'm that works really well. But what's really cool about this 3D process is you can do so many things with it that uh, it just opens up uh, the, the realm of possibilities for the RF engineers now. So as you build up a structure, basically from floor up, uh, you can actually right. build it up with built-in vias, you might say. So you could actually have via holes that come up with it. And then as you plate through the circuit image on the outside, you can plate through the holes too. Now, I don't think, wow. it's, I don't think it's quite as simple as that for the plating, to be honest. But it, it is doable. Uh, but there's a lot of fun things you can do with this. So besides having the capability to have something 3D printable in large volume, which is nice, it's also, for me, uh, when I come up with these strange RF concepts, it's really cool to be able to send off a concept and have it printed and come back and play with it a little bit. And then you can make some changes quick and easy. And it's a lot quicker and probably cheaper than uh, prototypes for, you know, normal printed circuit board technology to kind of define the concept. And then, Have you looked at the sort of cost trade-offs? Like, does it is it easy, you know... I, I bet most people are listening. And it's like, yeah, but how much does it cost? Exactly. But, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't know the cost differences between doing something in 3D printable compared to printed circuit board. And well, some I mean, of the it things, seems like it would be. But, I think so, too. But yeah. I, I guess I kind of see it as for prototype stuff. You could just have a lot of fun with it and check out different uh, RF structures and see how they work. But it is capable of high volume manufacturing, too, at Fortify. So... We are That's able to exciting. Do that too. Yeah. So, um, I know it's early days yet, but what kind of applications are sort of novel things oh, as yeah. you think about? Oh, what can we do here? And sure. um, or talking to maybe people that are helping you with the mm -hmm. customers that are kind of dreaming, thinking this through. What 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 right. kind of things that you can do well, with Radex? There's uh, some a lot of fun things. Like one is as you basically build up the structure, you can build it up to have cavities built into a circuit. And these mm. cavities can be different sizes and things. So you can basically build a cavity filter that is built into a circuit. Or uh, wow. another thing that's really interesting, and we have a, a demo on this, is uh, something like a Lundberg lens. And that lens is using uh, the gradient index technology. And what all that means is uh, we are able to, uh, just by the, uh, the 3D printing process and defining the features, you can actually have a, a ball, let's say, that at the middle of the ball is a solid core with a decay of 2.8 in this case. And then as you print out from there, then you would have an open lattice, you might say, with bigger openings as you go out. So at the mm -hmm. middle of the core, you'd have a decay of 2.8. And as you go out in layers, it gets less than that, all the way down to 1.1 as possible. So you wow. could have a variant DK in one structure from 2.8 to 1.1. 1 
And when you do the right stuff with the right lattice structures and things like that, you can actually build up uh, lenses for uh, antennas. It really helps the uh, direct directivity and gain can be affected. And there's a lot of good things that can come out of that, actually. So, John, when, you know, for people who are listening, when you think of specific applications, you mentioned, you know, directing an antenna, say, mm-hmm. like, what other things, what other applications do you think would be good for consideration? But besides proof of concept is oh, yeah. really valuable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the um, the GRIN, G-R-I-N, the gradient index technology is really interesting because you can do a lot of things with it. Um, so you can use it as a radome on a flat patch uh, radiant elements, flat uh, patch antennas, and you can uh, actually focus the energy more. You can change the radiation patterns, mm. maybe be able to offset some of the side lobes that you don't want. There's a lot of fun things you can do with it. Or you can just use it as a plain radome too. Uh, we also have customers looking at it as a um, enclosure for a, a millimeter wave circuit. So it would act as a ray dome, but also an enclosure too. And if you're concerned about spurious modes, you can actually put some unusual geometry inside here that would actually break up the spurious modes. So it would not only be a housing, but it also could uh, cause less interference and things like that. So Wow, that is a, so interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of fun things you could do with this. <laughs> so it's early days, like I said, and... Um, you mentioned that you're going to give a talk oh. um, in the MicroApps Theater right. at IMS, which mm-hmm. is the theater in the middle of the show floor. Right. And there, I call it speed dating. It's yeah. like you do these <laughs> quick 15-minute sessions. I don't know how you're going to fit this into 15 minutes. but it's gonna. I can talk pretty fast, but I'm going to try not to. <laughs> Uh, But there's a lot of information there, and it's more of, I guess, a teaser than anything else that we just want to throw out uh, the capabilities that are there. And and then I'm hoping that we get a lot of questions and things like that. People come by the booth and talk to us. So I'm sure once kind of RF and microwave engineers hear about this, they are going to start salivating and going, ooh, (laughs) ah. Yeah, there's a lot of neat um, stuff you can do with it. It sounds like most of those ma- micro apps are going to be on the 21st. Do you know off the top of your head when this talk is on yes. the Radex? Uh, this one, you're right. They're on the, all three of my micro apps on the 21st. And this one is at noon from 12 to 12.15. And, uh, 15 yeah. minutes, I'm so sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try. We'll see. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, for our listeners, before we move forward, I wanted to say thank you to Rogers for sponsoring this episode and partnering with the Ecosystem Podcast to help bring you awesome education resources and to help connect you and equip you um, to do your best work sort of in a holistic way. And um, if you're not able to make it to IMS, John has shared with me some links where you can go listen to Uh, a 3D printable structures on the Rogers Tech Hub. Uh, If you don't know this already, uh, John does these uh, quick tech talks. It's called Coonrod's Corner. To join Tech Hub is free, and there's amazing resources in there. So, uh, you know, anybody that, you know, will stand still for five minutes, I tell them to go to the Tech Hub. There's a calculator there. There's technical resources there, and it's free. So um, I'm going to put that link in the show notes and thanks again for Rogers for helping me get the design and development community Mm -hmm. educated. Sure. 
So um, there is also a Radex 3D dielectrics page on the Rogers website. I'm also going to share that link. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing those resources with our audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's let's hop over to your second microapps presentation, which I believe is on copper foil, which you and I did a really well-received podcast together in the past. So not much to talk about there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> copper foils is one of those funny things when you first get into the industry and you look at copper foils like, that's yeah, copper. How much can there be to it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot. Yeah. So I'm also going to try to cram in 15 minutes uh, a lot of information on copper foil. So what I'm going to try to attempt to do is uh, give a quick overview of how the copper foil is made and then the treatments that are used and why. And then after that, I'm going to talk about some of the grain structures and uh, how you actually measure surface roughness because there's multiple ways to measure surface roughness. And surface roughness is a pretty big deal, uh, especially big deal. millimeter wave frequencies. When you get higher in frequencies, skin depth thinner, you're using more of the rough, rough inside of the copper. So yeah, anyway. I always say it's like the Himalayas. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, yeah. when you look at that under a microscope, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, no wonder. Yeah, true. Um, so, and again, for audience, I want to um, let you know if you're not able to attend IMS and either check in with John at their booth, right. which is booth 2030 Correct. at IMS. I am also sharing another link in the show notes that John did um, in conjunction with the Microwave Journal. It's a webinar. Oh, and so yeah. if you're not able to join, I don't want you to miss out. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Great. And don't Thanks. forget to also subscribe to the Ecosystem Podcast and come visit that website. And I'll put that in the show notes below because we have a lot more coming your way after IMS. Good. Okay, so that talk is also on the 21st. Do you know the right. time on that one, John? Uh, I think that one's, mm, boy, I think it's one fifteen to one thirty, if I remember right. <laughs> well, let me look at my notes here. one thirty yeah. to one forty-five oh. in the Microaps Theater on right. the show floor. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks. All right. Um. Okay, last. I feel like we're speed dating for heaven's sakes. Okay, <laughs> let's, uh, in a really geeky kind of way. Yeah. Um, so your last microapps presentation is going right. to be on a topic you've covered many times, and yeah. I've sat through some of them. Right. And some of it I got, and some <laughs> of it just yeah. you know went over my head. But is cope planer waveguide. So, right. what are you going to talk? about regarding cope planer waveguide. Yeah, that's a topic that just keeps coming up. And I think it's because there's so many millimeter wave applications and, and new mm. applications coming up more and more that I think most RF engineers that are, uh, you know, have gone through the schooling and the, they have the theory understood. What happens is if they're not familiar with millimeter wave and they may have been using or working on microwave applications, the transition from the lower frequency to higher frequency, they start thinking, mm. I need a different structure because when you get the higher frequency, you have more um, more things you don't want you have spurious modes you have radiation you have things that happen that is not that problematic at lower frequency and one way to uh, help mitigate that is actually using coplanar and specifically grounded coplanar waveguide and uh, that does work very well for having less problems and noise and issues at millimeter wave in theory but in reality what happens is the uh, just by the structure of the of the circuit itself um, it has more variables uh, due to circuit fabrication than would, like, say, a microstrip. 
So the granite coplanar waveguide is going to be very sensitive to copper plating thickness differences, trapezoidal effects, and just all quite a variety of things. And uh, I think what I've seen, well, what I have seen a lot in the industry is as people are learning more about millimeter wave, the uh, RF designers want to go to ground to coplanar waveguide, and then they get um, kind of disenchanted once they get circuits in and start testing the circuits and realize they don't match the models very well. And mm. it's usually because they're not accounting for things that they don't know about. It's printed circuit board related issues. And um, once you understand that, then you can use ground to coplanar waveguide at millimeter wave and get really good results. But uh, there's just a lot of little tricks you got to know about. And uh, if you know these tricks and you put them in the model, then, okay, things are good. Yeah, I, you know, for years when I was working at Transline, working with mm -hmm. RF engineers, we ran into this over and over and over again. Well, right. this didn't come out like I simulated. I'm like, yeah, but you yeah. stimulated traces with perfectly straight sides right. and also like you had... Um, like sequential lamination so the copper oh. kept getting built up right so all the modeling was off so yep. i know this is a big deal so i'm glad to hear that you're teaching it yeah yeah uh, um okay so that one also on june 21st mm -hmm. you know oh, the time the on that time? one <laughs> later in the day i, I do if you three. do yeah it's is a three thirty. oh three thirty. Yeah. okay i wrote well, it down just in I, case i think i'll know the this times before that test. day comes up <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, we did pretty good. I feel like we just had a micro apps yeah. <laughs> speed session on John Coonrod's IMS plan. So yeah, good. <laughs> well, super exciting stuff. I'm really excited to learn um, and share with our audience more about Radex because that yeah, sounds like something really interesting. I have and, a um, long list of things that I want to do with that material. <laughs> I'll share those images and stuff that I've seen on a Veritech oh. where they're plating on that as that well. That would be great. Yeah, thanks. Because I know, I think you guys have published stuff about it, and I'm pretty right. sure Veritech has because I was looking at it going, wow, that's really cool. Right. So, right. well, yeah, John, thank you so much for joining me today. And I look My forward, pleasure. I get to see you yep, in yep. a couple of weeks. Live, live in, in person. person. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm I looking haven't forward seen to myself. I know. Yep. I think I got to see you at PCB. West. I don't know. I think I've seen yeah. you since the COVID fiasco, but yeah. it's always good yeah. to see you it's in person, my friend. To, and, yep, I agree. <laughs> and all my buddies at Rogers. So to our audience, thanks so much for joining uh, John and I for this conversation for our launch week of the Ecosystem Podcast. Don't forget to check out the show notes and make sure you subscribe to the Ecosystem Podcast. I'm going to share a link to the Ecosystem Podcast as well as all the links I've told you about for John's materials. And there, um, courtesy of our friends at Teledyne LaCroix, they've given us a free ebook by Eric Bogatin for 100 plus tips on PCB design to help your signal integrity. So that's pretty cool. So thanks for Teledyne LaCroix. And they've also provided us with the promo code so you could have three months of Signal Integrity Academy for free. And mm -hmm. I think that's a... I don't know. Anyways, it's, you know, like a three to $500 value. So wow. thanks again to Teledyne Legroy. Thank you so much for joining us on our kickoff week and our IMS pregame blitz. John, I'll see you next week. And to our audience, thanks so much for joining. Very good. Thank we'll, you. Uh huh. We'll see you tomorrow, listeners. And until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem. Oh, 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 oh,